Welcome to the HU Powership Podcast. It's episode 36 of the HU Power Ship Podcast. I'm your host, Big Greek, along with Hamptonite from the HU Power Ship. Hamptonite was lucky enough to take in all of the homecoming festivities, man. How's it going? Oh, man, it's beautiful. You know, I brought my wife and my son down there. We stayed at the beautiful NBC Suites and happened to run into Wanda Sykes while I was down there. And it was just an uh, excellent evening, an excellent uh, weekend. So no complaints. Bet, man, bet. So, yeah, you're going to have to give us some uh, some details uh, to describe the uh, atmosphere, which I heard was lit, as the kids say. <laughs> we get no... <laughs> yeah, really old. Yeah, man. But, uh, yeah, we'll talk about homecoming. Definitely talk about the win uh, against FAMU. Talk about the WEAC, the MEAC Week 8 scoreboard. Uh, review the MEAC standings. Preview the Week 9 schedule. Um, and, and then also include the Hampton matchup against at Bethune Cookman. Uh, then we'll talk about the Lady Pirates basketball predictions. Those came out today, and then we'll just give some shout outs. So let's get into it, man. Hampton Eight. I mean, I saw all the pictures, and a lot of my friends were there at, at homecoming. I was feeling a little bit nostalgic, but you were there, man. Tell us about it. What what made this one so special or different? Well, I will say this. It was the university's 150 years, you know, of existence and along with uh, Dr. Harvey's 40th year. And and I will say this, too. Weather played a, a significant role. And I think it felt like all the stars were aligned for just this homecoming, you know, event, you know, in particular. And. You know, it's just like me and my family, we got there on Friday and, you know, normally our HBCUs have that little bazaar where, you know, everybody's selling all their little products. You know, unfortunately, I mean, fortunately in this conscious or this time of conscientious behavior, there was a lot of people out selling, you know, dashikis and, uh, you know, some sort of natural hair uh, oil or, you know, halal food, which I'm cool with. And, you know, you did not see the weave wearers, the weave, uh, the the Brazilian weave people out there, you know. You know, that's been always been, I would say, a staple of Hampton University homecomings, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a beautiful festive atmosphere. You know, they call it black excellence. You know, it was great. You know, it was on the weekend. I would say all the the top uh, HBCUs have their uh homecomings you know it was our homecoming it was howard's homecoming then there was uh morehouse and spellman's homecoming and then there was a slew of other homecomings clark atlanta as well but uh, you know it's funny watching the twitter debate you know uh between howard and hampton morehouse and spellman you know hampton always had the home by the sea slogan where you saw the university on the slogan then you saw the howard um slogan if you were on twitter enough and it was from Anthony Anderson, and uh, DJ Envy had had 
Hampton on the water and Anthony Anderson. Uh, <laughs> there was a there was a. Uh, a meme sent to Anthony Anderson where they showed Howard and that old Chinese restaurant is called Howard China. It's still there on Georgia <laughs> Avenue. And uh, then Anthony Anderson came back with uh, uh, Black Panther, you know, with Chadwick Boseman and Howard alum and Black Panther. Then it said, and he said, it said Howard. For Hampton, it was Blank Man with Damon Wayne. <laughs> that was funny. So, but you know, it was a, it was a really good time. Uh, a lot, a lot of great people there, and me and my wife enjoyed ourselves immensely. Took a lot of photos. Nice, nice man. Yeah. So, it was a good time. I'm sad I missed this one. I haven't been in a couple of years, but uh, maybe next year. <laughs> I'll make sure I try and get That's- there. Nice. So, yeah, man, so the cherry on top was the fact that we actually got the W. Uh, the Pirates got the win over FAMU, 31-27. to 27. Pirates are 4-0 and in the MEAC, 5-2 and two overall. Um, second to North Carolina A&T in the MEAC standing. So, as always, jump into the good and the bad. Uh, lots of good to talk about from this game. Um, again, 4-0 and in the MEAC. I don't know. We, we may have thought they would be here, but it, it feels a little bit different. feels a little surreal. I remember at one point in time, man, I mean, it was a it was guaranteed that we'd be leading the standings, but it's been so long since we've been here. I'm not sure how I feel about it yet, man. <laughs> how do you feel about being 4-0? But quickly, one thing that's interesting, if Hampton, if the guys hold on against Monmouth, they would be 6-1 and one right now. Oh yes, yes, they would definitely be six and one. And to be honest, you know, we were, I would say, a a um a offsides of penalty away from being six and one. And that was we had Monmouth on the ropes on their own one yard line, and Raheem Husky jumped offsides. And that, you know, basically, I would say was that gave them breathing room for them the actual. You know, to escape with the uh, victory in overtime, but you know, it is what it is, though. Yep, I'll take crazy. five. I'll, t- I'll take our record right now, five and two. Yep, that's nice. And you know, one other interesting tidbit is the fact that Monmouth is also six and one. Um, so yeah, some crazy universe. We could actually meet again. Say we failed to, we finished strong. We finished with one loss. I think that's a playoff resume. Wouldn't it be interesting if we can meet up with Monmouth again in the playoffs? Oh, that would be great. Got a dream. Got a dream. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, good man. 4-0 in the MEAC. Uh, other good uh, performance was uh, by Shai McKenzie. I mean, this was his breakout game in front of everybody, which is perfect timing. 19 carries, 147 yards, a touchdown. I mean, right now, I think he's the feature back. Um, not because he's light years ahead or better than uh, Yaki, but I think because he runs north and south and it's a defensive team and Delmon Williams cannot afford to get behind the chains, I think even if they get three yards, two yards, third and five is better than third and ten for this team. So, I mean, McKenzie almost falls forward for two yards every carry. So I think... We're going to see him get a lot more carries. I mean, he's talented. Let's remember, he was um, a big recruit by Virginia Tech, so the injuries just derailed him. So I think he's shaking off the dust and and showing um, what he uh, is capable of. So 
Big performance by him, man. Um, Jabril uh, G um, was named MIAC Offensive Lineman of the Week. He gave up no sacks and had three pancake blocks. Um, other good um, performance was by the entire team. They forced FAMU to commit 15 penalties for 142 yards. Um, FAMU's terrible as far as composure anyway. They're last in the MIAC, second to last in the MIAC and penalties. So Hamden just exposed, helped to expose that weakness and uh, forced them into a lot of mistakes and errors and unforced errors. So... Um, and this is actually even above their average. And the other good part, man, no turnovers. So the recipe was there. McKenzie got his carries. Williams was uh, limited, sort of like a game manager type situation. And no turnovers. I mean, that, that's the recipe for success for this Pirate team. And anything else there, Hamptonite, um, that I miss as far as the good. And you had some pretty good sights, right? You have field level, man. You got to see a lot of a lot of the action up close, right? Yeah, absolutely. I sat on, I was able to sit on the sideline, well, stand on the sidelines, and I did see the game pretty much up close. And the first thing I could say is that the Hampton O-linemen, oh, God, they were putting hats on FAMU. And that's the reason why Sean McKenzie was able to break through for 147 yards. And Jabril G, man, uh, we have not had this type of center since I think we had Kelly McClendon. And, you know, big Kelly McClendon, you know, he who blocked for Roy Johnson years ago. You know, he was that six foot five, 320 pound, 340 pound, you know, just monster. And I think Jabril G actually brought something that, you know, we have not seen in a while, you know. And uh, he actually, you know, if you noticed, um, they run that jumbo formation, uh, which, which is a tight end and a fullback, you know, and they would line up, I would say, to the left of the center and the guard. And they just ran that play at nauseam to death. And literally, uh, fam, you just, you know, just wore out their defensive line. So that was something great. And the fact that, you know, we looked at, you know, fam, you committing 15 penalties. A lot of that was just exhaustion, hmm. you know, because when you keep continue to pound that ball, and you know, defensive players are going to hold, especially in the passing game. And uh, we noticed that, and there were a lot of frustration penalties from FAMU. A lot of, you know, chippiness, playing after the, uh, hitting after the whistle. So I, was, I would just contribute that to the Pirates just, you know, you know, imposing their will. And, you know, that is something we have not seen since the Joe Taylor era. Now, you know, there were some uh, discussions on the MEAC fan board about there being some home cooking here from the refs, like, I didn't see that. I mean, you know, you and I, we've been pretty, yeah. pretty straight up. Like when when Hampton plays bad, like the penalties are just a part of that. Like we never have blamed the refs. I mean, a lot of these are unforced, stupid penalties that you can't. I won't say unforced, but they are legitimate penalties. I'm not sure what the beef is there. I mean, they were sloppy, man. They've been sloppy all year. <laughs> What's the whole cooking? You know what? I wouldn't call it homecoming because they always have this idea that, you know, President Harvey is like some Darth Vader, you know, or Darwinian, uh, Jerry Jones-esque type of person who's going to, you know, who strikes fear in, you know, the MEAC. And I, I don't agree with that. I just looked at it as a, this was the first time. And first of all, I'll say this, Hampton is the least penalized team in the MEAC this year, which is a first. 
And the reason why I say this is that a lot of the times, a lot of the players, the play, the players for FAMU, I was on the field. They were chippy. They were a talking mess after home. I mean, after the play, you know, and that I would say that that boils down to discipline. Now, I'm not saying that Alex Woods team is not a disciplined team, but a lot of these, a lot of those defensive players were holding when that we ran play action. If that, if, and if that's the case, that means that they respected the run enough that they had to hold these players just not to, so they wouldn't get behind them. So, I mean, when they say this, uh, you know, that it was home cooking, I just disagree. Because if it was home cooking, there were a lot of plays I saw that Hampton, you know, there were a lot of other plays that I saw that FAMU um, should have gotten called for and they didn't get called. But it is what it is. They got 15 penalties. I wouldn't call that home cooking. I would just call that just poor, uh, poor athletic play. Yep, agree. And, and and one thing I do I do disagree. Like this Alex Wood team is undisciplined. Like they second yeah. the last in penalty. This is what they do. <laughs> this is what they do, man. They 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 they're young and and uh, lack composure. So it would just. Uh, made evident during this game. So, yeah, man, so it's a pretty good game. <laughs> yep, sorry about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. No, 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 and, and you're right. It's just that, um, I mean, it's not like I like Alex Wood. You know, I think he, I think uh, much to the chagrin of the rest of the, fan, the Rattler faithful, you know, I think he's a decent coach. I just think that his teams do not know how to win as of yet. That's all. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, you know, the bad is, but by our team is that the defense gave up 416 yards. I mean, they had a lot of injuries. I think Brendan Cole was out. He's a leader on the defense, and some other guys got nicked up. But FAMU is talented, especially offensively. And uh, I saw that during the game. I mean, they got talent at every level, quarterback, running back, receivers. The line was okay. Um, And they were able to move the ball, able to move the ball well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, Alden Knight, you know, he did catch that. Um, he caught that uh, that play-action pass off of, uh, I think it was either Yaki or um, Sean McKenzie. You know, and that was a credit to the respect of the actual HU running game because he was wide open. I literally was in the end zone when he caught that ball. There was no defender around him for another, I would say, 10 yards and when you get that kind of space that means the defensive backs and the linebackers must pay attention to the actual running game yep nice very nice yep yep so yeah good win man uh teams headed in in the right direction definitely and eventually i'll start really believing <laughs> i'm still getting there but i'm, I'm happy to see him yeah for the, me too it's been so long man <laughs> it's been so absolutely long. absolutely <laughs> You know, but we still got the uh, still got our gauntlet coming up. Ooh, you ain't kidding, man! Not kidding. So, um, we'll we'll definitely get into that gauntlet shortly. You know, I um, since I didn't make it to uh, homecoming, a couple big games here last weekend: uh, Norfolk State at Central and A um, and T hosting Bethune Cookman. So. Mm-hmm. We'll take a look at the scoreboard. I actually went to the A&T Bethune-Cookman game. North Carolina A&T pulled that out 24-20. to 20. So mm-hmm. the, thing, the, thing I, I, the thing that was clear to me after this game is that 
there really is not a lot of separation between like the middle of the pack and A and T. I mean, they're yeah. starting to play people close and they're talented, but they ain't unbeatable. Mm-hmm. And I saw that mm-hmm. against Bethune Cookman. I mean, they're nice, but you know they're gonna get caught. I, I, I predict. I mean, the schedule's kind of light, but I mean, they they can be beaten by anybody else left on their schedule. They're nice though. Um, but but not world beaters like I thought they would be when I saw them. And Bethune Cookman is good too. Um, they could have actually won this game, I think, if they would have let Brim, their quarterback, start the whole time. So, sort of a little prelude to when we play Bethune Cookman this weekend. Um, they kind of they're going with a two quarterback situation. Brim is the more seasoned veteran, but he's not super talented. But he knows where to go with the ball. And then they got this number 10, who's, like, very talented, but he don't know where to go with the ball. So while Bethune-Cookman finally was in control of the game, they put that number 10 in there, and he threw an interception, and that just changed the whole uh, complexion of the game. And uh, A&T was able to win. But the thing that also stood out for me on this game, like, both defensive lines are pretty dominant uh, for both teams. So... um, Bethune Cookman got after Raynard. I mean, he was 11 for 25, 177 yards. He had three touchdowns, but he was he was definitely under pressure. Um, but it was a good game, very good, very very a well played game between A and T and Bethune Cookman. Uh, we got our work, work cut out for us this weekend when we go to Bethune. Um, and we can jump over to Howard, man. Howard beat Morgan State 39-14 for their homecoming. Um, Kalen Newton, man, he's still going crazy. He threw for two touchdowns. He ran for two touchdowns um, to help seal that win. Norfolk State with the big upset of the week. They upset North Carolina Central 28-21. to uh, Let's see. Now, Central dominated the game, but turnovers and penalties and stupidity was what cost them this game. <laughs> Which, you know, I, I really wasn't ex- – I, I thought Central was the better coach team. Um, but over the past couple weeks, man, they've been getting sloppy. I mean, they, they, they were – when I saw them earlier this year, I was like, man, they, they got it together. But they are getting sloppy for some reason. And Norfolk State took advantage of that um, and, and got the win. So they're 3-1. They're and one. In the MIAC after that slow start, man. What 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 say you about the Spartans, man? You know what? I mean, I do think that um, when they lost the first game to Virginia State, it doesn't look as bad now because Reggie Barlow has that team humming. You know, they're seven and zero, and I would say that that first game, you know, when they lost, you know, it was in the monsoon, so that would kind of equalize. Um, that kind of nullifies everything. So. Um, as of right now, you know, I mean, we did, I think that they found what they could do and they, and we have to be real. They started a, a very young, uh, uh, quarterback, you know, who didn't really have a much, I would say a lot of experience, but then they found, uh, a home run threat in number five. And I'm talking about, and I watched the highlights from the North Carolina central game. He had another, uh, long explosive, uh, uh, catch. I think it was like on a, either a bubble screen or a drag route. And, you know, he just took it straight to the house. And he ran the same play on us when we were um, we uh, played him the week prior. You know, he caught a drag route over the middle, 
broke one tackle because we were in a, uh, I would say, a very sloppy zone coverage, and he just turned it. He reversed and turned it back upfield, you know, beating out Brendan Cole, and you know, took it like I think like a a fifty yarder, you know. So I mean. He is someone I think you have to seriously game plan for. And I think that the fact that, you know, uh, Coach Latrell Scott is, you know, is finding his stride with this particular team. So I'm, I am glad that we played them when the chance that we played them because it looks like they are uh, poised to, you know, to continue in the MEAC, you know, I would say, uh, in, a, in a dominating fashion. So, you know, I could just say look out. Yep, and they're young too, so um, they're building. So this is actually really, really good for the MIAC. I mean, North Carolina teams, I think as long as their coaching staff stay intact, I mean, they're going to continue to do their thing. Um, but if we can get the Tidewater teams to be competitive, I mean, the MIAC will then be strong, man. Absolutely. And, and as long as Howard has Newton and their coach, they'll be competitive. So the MIAC is pointing in the right direction, man. That's good stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Man, but the shocker of the week, South Carolina State lost to Delaware State. This is like Delaware State's first win in what, how many years? Two years? Something oh, like that? yeah. It's been a win. It's been a minute for Coach Kenny up there at Delaware State, you know. He brought in that uh, young uh, stud of a QB in there, and you could tell that, the QB, that he was special, but, you know, he can recruit talent, but he has to actually develop that talent. And it just kind of speaks for, you know, Buddy Pugh at South Carolina State, you know. I mean, I think we talked about it, uh, I think, uh, last uh, last episode or the episode before that was that South Carolina State's quarterback shouldn't be a quarterback, you know. He's built more like a running back, you know. Just big, uh, you know, he throws. His throws are, are, I would say, are not very accurate. You know, he's... Uh, South Carolina State has always had a stable of quarterbacks, whether it was Malcolm Young, Long. I know we remember him. He was Mr. South Carolina in football, but he could he had a weight problem, but he was still effective. You know, they just got rid of Caleb York. And, you know, they've always had, I would say, Buddy Pugh has always kept a great quarterback. And the fact of the matter is they don't have one. Buddy Pugh has always had a great offensive line and a great defensive line. And uh, we just do not see that. And unfortunately, they got beat by a, I would say, a very talented Delaware State team. But it has, they have not put the pieces together to be a a a, a top echelon MIAC program. It, right on, man. You know, and the thing that's like sad about the South Carolina State team is that they have a an all time defense or had one maybe they're starting to slow yes. down a little bit but i mean number 10 in the middle i mean he's a missile he's probably the closest thing the league has had to justin durant he's not justin durant but he's close yeah. um yeah. they have that defensive line which is stout number 76 i remember watching him against um central i mean he's got pro abilities um great athlete and their secondary is nice. I mean, so and their their defense is stout, but their offense is is uh, putrid. The only thing is, I will caution folks, and I think many of the Bulldogs I've spoken to are still believing in Buddy, because I think the school was pretty much 
threatening to close, right, in the past well, years? I okay. I don't think they're threatening to close. They're still a solvent university. They were just having issues. Well, okay, I can't speak for South Carolina State, but I just know they were having, I would say, it seemed that the funds that were allocated to the university were not spent well enough. And I don't think that, yeah, they, I think that they were thinking about restructuring the university. Of course, they restructured the board. I just don't think that they were going to close it down. <laughs> and um, I, I mean, to me personally, you know, I do not want to see them go down, step down uh, to Division Two because if they do that, I think that would be the demise of South Carolina State, you know, athletically. So I would say keep the program. I will also say keep Buddy Pugh because, I mean, this guy's brought you <laughs> a lot of MEAC crowns and MEAC titles, you know. Hey, I mean, Willie Jeffries, you know, of course he did his thing while he was there. But I would say at this point where the university is trending, keep his behind. You know, I mean, don't, I mean, think about the school first. And, you know, football is just something, you know, something just to, you know, occupy you for the moment. I agree. I mean, I think any talk of getting rid of Buddy is just crazy talk. I mean, it's stupid. I mean, hold on. We're, this is not the SEC. You know, they're talking about buying out that guy from uh, Arkansas. You know, I mean, I forgot. I think it was like five million, five point nine million. Then they're talking about the guy over at Texas A and M, uh, uh, the brother coach over there. I forgot his name. Um, yeah, I know you're uh, about. but yeah. I, yeah, after that loss to UCLA, you know, and now his record, I think, is he's like what five and two or five or, you know. So, I mean, this when you have that kind of income to throw, just tell a coach to go, just slap him across the face with a couple million dollars. Yeah, but at this moment, I mean, we all count nickels, so no, keep his butt there. Yep, and then just take a look at all of the legendary coaches of at least of our lifetime who've left and what happened after they left. Like once Taylor left, we fell off. Um, <laughs> once, yeah, once, once Billy Joe left, FAMU fell off. I mean, it's hard to replace uh, a legend in any school, but especially our schools because of all of the arcane, unwritten rules, all the handshaking. Like you got to, undo all that and it takes a long time man so I mean I, I, you gotta keep buddy if I'm the Bulldogs I'm keeping buddy yeah I, I just think it's premature and I think it's insane and even if you do get rid of it you think about another coaching candidate that comes that interviews for the job and they see some of the I would say the uh, issues that the state is trying to impose on South Carolina State you know, I would. I mean, if I was a top candidate, I wouldn't go there. You know, I mean, if I was a MEAC retread, like, uh, you know, I'm not going to say any names, but if I'm a MEAC retread, <laughs> one that might have got recently fired from a school in Alabama, I might go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that man be cheating, though. He got to be careful of him. <laughs> you, know what, uh, man? you know what, maybe. I, he probably thought that keeping those facilities in uh, Alabama, those new facilities at Alabama State, would uh, not require cheating. But hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. Man. So South Carolina in the dumps, South Carolina State and Savannah State 
they lost to Charleston Southern 27 to 52. Uh, and speaking of Charleston Southern, you know that they had a actual boycott or I think they're doing the same thing that uh Grambling State did a few years back. They're boycotting to play. So, yeah. Yeah, something about food, right? They're not getting fed properly on campus or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Terrible. Yeah, oh. we have an actual a coach that's uh we had an ex coach that's coaching there now, so Oh, I thought only HBCU had these use have these problems. <laughs> Every, everybody, you know, everybody has their issues, man. That that's that's sad. But yes, you're right, they are protesting. Good luck to the kids, man. I mean, I think kids kids, man, we get no I'm getting old. I, Absolutely. I, I support everybody who protests and tries to put their situation forward so hopefully they're successful and uh getting fed properly <laughs> on campus yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah so miak standings man um north carolina a&t is five and oh following them is hampton pirates our hampton pirates at four and oh and then we have a three team tie at three and one that's norfolk state north carolina central and howard and then Bethune Cookman is the last team at at or above five hundred at two and two. So interestingly enough, North Carolina A and T is eight and zero. Oh. And I think in one of the big polls, they are um, ranked uh, number six. So I mean, they they are moving up in the world and and getting some respect. So of course, quick quick diversion here, man. I mean, the celebration bowl versus playoff thing is approaching. I know the Miak champ has to go to the celebration bowl. If if you're A and T, what do you want? I mean, you you know, I guess you want to win the Miak and go to the celebration bowl. But do you think this A and T team could do some work in the playoffs? Well, I would say this. You know, I think what is what's the current ranking? Are they ranked at number six? I've I've heard. Yeah, number six. Okay, if they're ranked at number six, then, you know, I would definitely want to test that out, you know, I mean, because, I mean, in the playoffs, you know, and the reason why is because, you know, the better competition is there. But if I need that check, you know, hey, I mean, I might have to do a couple tricks on TV, but, (laughs) (laughs) but no, if I, I mean, hell. If I, if I was number six, then I would want to play in the playoffs because that means you get a home playoff game. And, I mean, I know that you're contractually obligated to play in a celebration bowl, but that is just messed up, man. They have to have some sort of – I mean, I if I was a, one of the MEAC lawyers, I would at least wrote in a uh, some sort of uh, pretrial mo- or motion that, you know, if you're – if you uh, are ranked uh, below top ten, then in the top ten, then you must, you know, get a playoff. Uh, you must be able to receive a playoff bid, you know. Yeah, but see, that's that's all the more intrigue for ESPN. You know, they want to say the number six North Carolina A&T Aggies. You know, are, I mean, are... Gra- Grambling ain't even ranked. You know, that's who everybody thinks going to win. You know, I mean, I-, I watched them play last weekend. I'm just like, ugh. You know, I mean, Devontae Kincaid is good, but, you know, he looks like a receiver playing running. I mean, playing quarterback. So, I'll, let me stop. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm torn. I mean, I, I'd like I, I'd, I'd like to see them shoot their shot at, yeah. uh, in, in, the, in the FCS playoffs, but it all depends on the matchup. Um, 
and, and their injuries. I mean, that Richmond game last year was deflating because they had Cohen, and you thought they would do a little bit more work. Um, but I, I'd hate to see them fall flat again. But yeah. get, given their, you know, their win over Charlotte and Gardner-Webb, and I think they can do some things, but it depends on the matchup. I mean, if they play like uh, James Madison or another top-tier CAA team, they're not going to win. Um, yeah, but I think with that ranking, that pretty much assures them that they will get a pushover. Or not a pushover, but a lower-ranked playoff team. Yeah, I mean, look, Monmouth is 6-1. and one. I mean, right now, they're going to be a top-ranked playoff team. If this A&T team plays Monmouth, A&T wins. Hands oh, yeah, down. hands down. Hands down. So, if they got the right matchup, I think they could do some work in the playoffs. So, we shall see. Because the only way, I mean, right now, if we keep doing our thing, we could actually be in a celebration bowl. And A&T could actually be in the playoffs. I think the way that Miak is shaping up here, I mean, Hampton, three teams right now have a playoff resume in the Miak right now. It's A&T, us, and Central. Because they're the records, but that's it. So, and they're all in the top three right now. So we're gonna get two teams most likely in the in the playoffs in some sort of scenario. Like if we go three and one, I think we're in the playoffs, um, which yeah. would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that would be very interesting. Very interesting. Yep. So cool, man. Uh, interesting. Me accent. He's getting getting to money time. So me schedule. Me <laughs> <laughs> schedule. Coming yeah. Up. Family at Morgan State, man. Who, who, uh, uh, that'll be. I don't know who's gonna win that game. Yeah, you know what? It's like I really like FAMU, um, but I, I have not seen Morgan State play all year. You know, Maynard was. I would say he was correct in his assertion that um, that Ryan Stanley and FAMU is the best pro, best team that we played played all year. Because even though they played us better than we played than Monmouth played us. You know, and I think that they just have not found out how to win yet. And but I think it's a tall order going all the way up to Baltimore. But they got to win one of those games. Um, so I think family will probably win that game. Yep, yep. They should. They should. I don't trust them, but they should. Yeah. Um, up next, we got Howard at South Carolina State. I'm picking Howard to lay the wood, man. Lay the wood on the Bulldogs. You know what? I'm going to pick something different. I'm going to pick South Carolina State on this one. And the reason why I'm saying this is because um is because it's in it's in uh it is in Orangeburg and I got uh, the sense that uh South Carolina State which I would say their defense is pretty stout and I do think that they will probably I think Buddy Pugh will bounce back after this terrible game that he played in Dover, Delaware, and um, I think that he will probably he will probably play Howard closer than you know than they've ever played. And the reason why I say this is because Howard hadn't laid a real egg yet, and it's about time that they lay one. And I think Oliver C. Dawson is a stadium to lay one, and I'll be happy if South Carolina State really beats them. Yeah. And, yeah, and, you know, can't and killing Newton, his little bowlegger behind hadn't really <laughs> taken a shot yet. So, I mean, I think one of the more country little Geechee boys down in South Carolina State will probably lay a wood, lay the wood to him. And you know, to be honest, I don't want to advocate anybody not getting hurt. But if he was out of the game, Howard is back to being Howard. 
Yep. Yeah, that's true. I mean, for for Hampton's sake, I mean, just given a pure from a pure standings perspective, we need Howard to lose this game. But absolutely. I, I mean, I'm thinking that that bulldog offense is so bad, man. I mean, it's so bad. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering how they're going to keep up with with Newton in that offense. So, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Yeah. So then we got Savannah State at Norfolk State. That should Norfolk State should take care of them. That should be light work. We got Delaware State at North Carolina Central. I think Central bounces back, but again they're looking sloppy. So who knows? And uh, of course us playing. We're playing at Bethune Cookman. So we'll get into that Bethune Cookman game. I think this is going to be a big game for the Pirates. For a whole host of reasons, I mean, everything is on the line for the Pirates. Every game they're gonna be playing from here on out is for something. Um, for for standings, for first place. So I mean, this is good time to be here. So for me, man. Well, first of all, um, this is Bethune Cookman's homecoming. So this is what third week in a row that Hampton is playing either their homecoming, playing at somebody's homecoming. Mm-hmm. So people kind of misjudged the Pirates this year, putting them on homecoming. Um, from my observations of Bethune Cookman from what I've read and what I've seen when I saw them last week um, statistically if you look at the MEAC standings MEAC stats Hampton and Bethune Cookman are pretty equal as far as defense offense time possessions whatever but the ball has been bouncing our way because we don't commit as many penalties as Bethune Cookman and we haven't had a lot of timely or untimely turnovers. So I think the ball has just been bouncing our way, um, which gives us this better record. Um, but Thune Cookman, they passed the eye test. As always, you know, when you walk by them, they're, they're stout as always, but they're not scary. Like, they don't have one guy that you look at, especially on offense, like, damn, that one guy will beat us. Um, they don't have yeah. that. So if you just play smart, keep them in front, Make them earn everything, you'll beat them. Um, just play sound defense. Uh, their defensive line is nice. I mean, they're athletic, and they will hit you. So that'll be interesting. But our offensive line is doing a good job protecting. So I think we match up well with them, um, and I think we can uh, get a W. Um, just go through Bethune Cookman's schedule here. Uh, yeah, they lost to Miami first, uh, 13 of 41. And you have it up? Uh no. Okay, I got it. And then they uh the second game, um, you know, they beat I would say South Southeastern Louisiana. You know, that was a very big win for them. And I think that when we saw this, that everybody was thinking, Okay, but Don Cookman's gonna be good this year. Then the next game they lost to Florida Atlantic and you know, that was something that we kinda knew that was happening, you know, Boca Raton and you got Lane Kiffin who, you know, is a new coach. And then I think the shocker was the loss to Howard. Even though that we knew Howard was actually a budding program, you know, to still go up there to Washington DC and play at Green Stadium and lose by two. You know, that was pretty pretty difficult. Then they came back, you know, beat Savannah State at home and then South Carolina State in a a field goal contest, you know, 12-9. And then they played, of course, played North Carolina A&T Tough, which I saw on um, ESPNU with uh, Jay Walker. And just like you said, um, you know, they uh, had a chance to beat uh, A&T late, 
but they couldn't muster, you know, the 10 points to to actually win late. And, you know, that's what good teams do. You know, they just find find uh, ways to win. And what I saw from them was that, you know, they were they are very athletic. You know, they're very uh, – their defensive line was stout. But they don't have a quarterback. You know, Larry Brim Jr., you know, is decent. Then there's the other kid, I think, what, Akevius Williams, you know. Uh, yeah, and he's more like, I would say, kind of like a running quarterback. He had like five rushes for 50 yards, you know. You know, but Doug Cookman used to have some really good QBs back in the white era. Remember Patel Troutman and, and Alan Suber, you know, those guys, you know. Superman. <laughs> Superman. Yeah. They yeah. struck fear all up and down to Miak, you know, and and ever since, you know, uh, once they went away from the Wyatt Bone and they kind of adopted this whole, you know, speed and Florida speed approach, they've never really had a quarterback. All their quarterbacks have been, you know, I would say converted wide receivers, <laughs> you know, and I think that's always been a uh, Achilles' heel when it came to playing. I would say really good competition. Yep. Right on, right on. Excellent, excellent breakdown of the schedule and, and their quarterback. So um, let's let's look at what Bethune-Cookman does well here, man. So from my observations, they do defense well. Um, the defense is the strength of the team. The defensive line is the absolute strength of the defense and of the team. Um, I saw them get after the A&T quarterback and their running game. The secondary is good, too. Secondary looks the part. They're pretty athletic. I think we're going to have a hard time with their um, getting the passes off against their secondary unless that play action is working. Um, offensive line is okay, um, but here, here's where their defense gets interesting. Um, their third in pass defense, um, uh, let's see, first in pass defense efficiency, third in sacks, Second in opponent first downs. These are all MEAC stats. Um, we're first, by the way. Um, they are first in defensive third down conversions. Um, plus one in the turnover margin. Um, to sort of complement that, amazingly, they're third in rushing offense. And here's where they hold a, a decided advantage. They're number one in punt return average. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little scared of what we're going to do uh, when we punt the ball to them. Um, what they do poorly, uh, they don't pass the ball well at all. Like you said, uh, Brim and the receivers, they struggle. Uh, Brim is a game manager. Number 10 is more talented but erratic. You're not sure where that ball is going to end up when he throws it. Um, they have a good kicker, man. It, you know, it looks a little interesting, but he's effective. Um, oh, the, uh, <laughs> oh my God. What are you talking about? Just like a beer swiller, you know, a beer chugger. <laughs> oh my god, he's he, he's very thick for it, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He don't run no sprints, man. He just kicks. That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he's effective. He can kick, so he's good. And um, he leads the league in scoring and field goals. So um, keep him out of uh, keep him far back. Um, individually, you know, offensively, nobody stands out. Nobody really even stood out defensively. Um, but strong defense, pedestrian offense, and a strong special team. So, what what are you what what are your thoughts on Bethune, man? Did I, uh, any any other observations, man? No, you pretty much hit it. Um, hit the nail on the head. I just do think that they're 
I think that their coach Sims really has not performed to his ability. You know, I mean, I think that uh, they have not really recruited, I would say, a decent quarterback, and they just play like a team that has talent. Well, I would say they they play big. You know, they have talent on the defensive line. You know, but they do not have the necessary skill sets to play. I would say to uh, I would say a top tier FCS level, and I'm not saying that we will beat them. I'm just saying that they they could pound you, they could beat you, but they're not doing the small things well. Right. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I think we have the advantage there because we are doing some of the small things well uh, to pull out these games. So uh, I think Hampton wins this game if. The team is healthy. I mean, they got beat up in this FAMU game, so hopefully guys are getting treatment and are ready to play. I think uh, Hampton wins if McKenzie has uh, 100 yards. Again, no turnovers or at least win the turnover battle. Um, if they make Bethune-Cookman drive the length of the field, uh, win the field position game, they'll win. Um, I think Hampton has to just punt the ball out of bounds because their punt team is, is, is pretty strong. And uh, I think Hampton wins this game 20-17. to 17. And just one thought, man. If, if the Pirates win this game, then I think it's time to get excited. Uh, if we go down to Bethune-Cookman, beat them at their homecoming, then the Pirates are for real. So um, I think this is a good barometer for the team, man. What, what are your keys to victory for the Pirates? Well, I will say this, that, you know, this is their homecoming game. So they're going to be extremely emotional. They're going to be ready to play. And the fact is that um, you think about it every homecoming, you know, you don't want to embarrass your home, your home crowd. So I think that will be an adverse factor, you know, against Hampton. But I do think that uh, we have not turned the ball over in two straight games. So I feel that if we do not turn the ball over, just like we said. And we play, I would say, a cold game. I mean, cold, I mean, emotionless game. Let them have the emotion because they'll probably use that emotion and probably play beyond that emotion, which meaning that they will probably make, you know, silly mistakes or undisciplined mistakes when you play emotional. And I think we need to play cold-blooded, cold-killer, straight football. And I think that's how we win. And, you know, I think it will be a tall order to win in Daytona, something we have not done since, I think, 2007, 2008. It's been so long since we've done that. And um, I think that's how we win. And we cannot, we cannot have any issues on special teams, not one, because they will make us suffer. Yep, indeed, indeed, indeed. So... Oh, man. It'll be good. Like I said, if we win this game, get excited. Get excited. Absolutely. Yeah, because that's a a, a very far victory. You know, that's going down to Bethune and winning. I mean, Daytona and winning, you know. So, that's a good – I I agree with that. Yep. Cool. So, what we shall see. And, uh, hey, one other uh, quick piece of information came out today. The the lady – the the, the MEAC women's basketball predictions came out today. Um, So, the Lady Pirates were picked to win the MEAC. I wasn't expecting that, but as they break it down, I understand why. So, I'm going to butcher her name, but I'm going to learn it. I'm going to get it right. 
uh, Manasia Finney Smith. I sorry, I know I got that wrong. <laughs> is a first team selection. I'd say she is probably the most talented player the Pirates have. Lady Pirates. Jeffany Brown. She's a second team selection. Now I remember her because you know even though the Lady Pirates got beat at Duke pretty badly. I mean she was balling like she was determined <laughs> to go out there. They all were, but she, you know, stood out uh, for having some dog. And she was had some injury issues, but she got healthy towards the end of the year. If she's healthy all year, watch out, man. Pirates are going to be trouble. Um, and then Kaylin Willis, I mean, she's a dog too, man. I mean, um, so they got some talent, and they got, you know, a bench and, and some players who can come in and fill some roles. So I, I'm expecting the Lady Pirates to be uh, strong this year. Now, one thing you, you did mention, Hampton Knight, you tried to get some intel on the Lady Pirates at homecoming, but they, they were pretty tight-lipped, man. Oh, no. Those coaches were not talking to you. You know, I did speak with a lot of the men's coaches. You know, they were very forthcoming about, yeah, we about to win it this year. And, <laughs> you know, they were, you know, they gave me some uh information on some of the players that were not there you know players that you know kind of fell through the cracks and as far as the women were concerned you know coach sits six uh i walked by tried tried to you know you know speak with them you know for a little bit but you know hey you know he played it close to the vest you know greeted me said hello you know asked about my family then he was just like you know i gotta keep it moving i'm headed up to the box <laughs> so, hey. So and you know, so you know, no complaints there. You know, just I, I, I see that they, you know, are, are very determined for to, to, uh, to make this, you know, a a a significant year. Yep. Yep. Shall be a good year. So we'll we'll get into the basketball team definitely in depth in the next couple weeks. Um. But look out for the Lady Pirates this year. And just some shout-outs, man. So I just wanted to give a shout-out to everybody who went to homecoming and they're putting up the pictures on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Made me feel like I was there. And uh, it looked like a great time. Everybody's looking good, trying to take care of themselves. So props to all of the good-looking Hamptonians out at homecoming this week, man. You got any shout-outs or we, we good to go? No, I think you pretty much got them out for me. <laughs> well, cool, man. Thanks, Hampton Knight. And uh, we'll be back to talk about hopefully the 5-0 MEAC leading Hampton Pirates. And uh, we'll check out again. No, I think it's time that we actually win in Daytona. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. We're going to be 5-0 it, in the MEAC. It's been long enough, you know, since that they return that uh, they reverse their call on David Legree and Isaiah uh, Thomas. Ah, uh, yes, yes, I remember that. <laughs> All right, well, go Pirates. Go Pirates.